Welcome. We're so glad you've tuned in to the weekly sermon podcast of Victory Church Philadelphia, a dynamic multicultural church near Valley Forge. We want to welcome you into an experience with God and into the care of His family, and we believe this message will be a blessing to you. Today's sermon is a part of our series, Waymaker, Take the Journey with Jesus. God really is, as the song says, our waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. I believe this message will help you have faith in God for whatever challenges you're facing right now. Hi, I'm Ed Crenshaw, pastor of Victory Church. So good to be with you on this Palm Sunday. We're not exactly doing a Palm Sunday sermon today because we're wrapping up, as you could see in that little intro, our Waymaker series. And Jesus is our Waymaker. And if we'll get on the way with Him, we will be guaranteed that He'll make a way for us. So today we're wrapping up that series. Now, when I was 20, I cared a lot about what people thought about me. When I turned 40, I didn't care so much about what they thought about me. When I turned 60, I realized they weren't thinking about me in the first place. <laughs> well, uh, that's a quote supposedly from Winston Churchill, though there's no real uh, proof of that. But it's, a, it's an interesting saying, isn't it? And, you know, I try not to care too much about what people think of me, though I do a little bit. But here, here's what I want to ask. Here's what I'm setting up. Did Jesus care about what people thought about him? Did Jesus care what people thought? Well, I think he did, as today's passage will make sure. And I think he still cares what you think about him. That's important. So let's look at Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he's a way maker, he's always on the way in the Gospel of Mark. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, who had been killed by this point. Others say Elijah, who never died but had ascended into heaven on a chariot of fire. And still others, one of the prophets. Apparently, even though it was not a part of Jewish belief at the time, they were thinking he could have been the reincarnation of an old prophet. People think some crazy things when it comes to Jesus sometime. But yet, that is a good question. Who do people say Jesus is? Now, a lot of us who are watching this right now are followers of Jesus. And I believe that we can take our lead from Jesus himself. If he was open to hearing what people thought about him, we should be open to hearing what people think about Jesus. I think it's important that we understand what is being said in our culture, what questions are being asked about Jesus, what is the interest level in Jesus. And right now, we are in a season where spiritual openness is at a level we've never seen before. And so it's important that we have kind of a listening mode right now, that we hear what people are thinking. 
I was trained in a small group evangelism course, and in the training they said it's important that we have safe environments where people can share where they are spiritually and what they think about Jesus. That's one of the first questions in the first session of that course, and he talked about people having some ideas that are a little bit different. He shared about a, a time when somebody said, well, I think Jesus was an alien. Now, people might have that idea, and we as followers of Jesus don't exactly believe that, but we should have kind of a non-judgmental approach to whatever people think, right? And uh, what the leader of that course said at that point, when the person in the group said, I think Jesus was an alien, was, hmm, interesting. I've never heard that before. And he appropriately moved on in the course. But at least he was listening. But Jesus didn't just stop with asking the question, who do people say I am? He went on to the important question that we see in verse 29. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Who do you say I am? Very good question. In fact, it's not just a good question. That's the most important question you will ever answer in your life. Who do you say Jesus is? Now, Peter responds appropriately. You are the Messiah. He had some awareness, some knowledge, but not quite enough. And I think that's one of the great things of being a follower of Jesus. He is so infinitely wonderful that there is always more about Jesus to know. That's one of the joys of the Christian walk is that we get to know Jesus. We get to know our God more and more and more every day. And I pray during this season that your hunger for God would be increasing and that you would want to know Jesus all the more. That's why Paul prayed for the Ephesian church that they might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God better. It's an ongoing journey when we're on the way with Jesus that we would know him more and more and more. And so Peter is correct when he says, you are the Messiah. That's good news, right? We ought to share that with the whole world. Jesus is the Messiah. Yet in the next verse, we see something very interesting. Verse 30, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. What in the world is going on here? Jesus warns them not to tell, and that word for warn is a strong word. It's the same word that we'll see later on in the passage that is translated rebuke. Jesus warned them strongly not to tell anyone. Well, I can't say that Peter didn't really have a clue. He had a clue who Jesus was and is, the Messiah, but he really didn't have much more than a clue. There was a whole lot more that Peter need to un needed to understand about Jesus and his mission. See, in this point in Mark's story, Jesus is still defining their idea of who the Messiah is. And until they have a little bit more understanding, they were not to share who Jesus was. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to be 100% theologically correct before we share our witness. That's not what is being said here, but there is something essential about Jesus and his mission that we have to understand if we're going to share about the kind of Messiah that Jesus is. 
What that will be, we'll share in just a moment. But there's something else that I think is interesting about Jesus' response to Peter's understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. In Matthew's account of this same occasion, he makes a big deal out of Peter's discovery. He says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. Our Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And you're Peter, you're this rock. We're going to build our church on you. It was very powerful. But here, Jesus doesn't make a big deal out of it at all. Jesus does, but Mark leaves that out because Mark is trying to make a different point. See, Mark wants us to know already that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, there's an interesting thing about the Gospel of Mark. It doesn't have, doesn't have as much teaching as the other Gospels. What it has an emphasis on is Jesus' miracles. We are intended to know who Jesus is, not by a lot of teaching, but by the demonstration of Jesus' identity in his life here on earth. And up to this point, Jesus has been dem demonstrating powerfully that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He has healed those who are sick. He's healed the lame. He's healed the deaf. He's healed the blind. He's healed the leper. He's done miracles. He's walked on the water. He's fed the multitudes, the crowds. He has done amazing miracle after amazing miracle. He has calmed the storm. He has raised the dead. Jesus, by this point, has proved to himself who he is. And we, along with Peter, ought to understand it because we have been on this journey with our way maker. Jesus has proved who he is by what he's done. And I can promise you this today, as you are watching, as you are listening, Jesus is still proving who he is he is still the way maker he is still your miracle worker he is still the messiah the son of the living god he will continue to show himself strong and powerful to you i promise you i believe that with all my heart but at this point in mark's story there's something else going on as i said jesus is not only to be known by what he's done up to this point but he is to be known by what he very shortly will do. And until he does that, and until the disciples understand that, the story of who Jesus is is incomplete. So in Mark 8, in the next verse, Jesus makes the first of three predictions that he makes in the Gospel of Mark. Verse 31, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Four things must happen before our picture of the Messiah can be as complete as it needs to be. He must suffer many things. He must be rejected by his own people and the religious establishment of his day. He must be killed and he must after three days, rise again. These things are an essential part of the definition of who Jesus is. But Peter doesn't have a place for a suffering Messiah. He doesn't. And so he, he really demonstrates his inability to understand who Jesus is by what he does next. What does he do next? He actually rebukes the one he has just declared to be the Messiah. Verse 32. Jesus spoke plainly about what he would have to do. 
It's very clear he must what? Suffer, be rejected, die, and after three days rise from the dead. Jesus spoke plainly about this, but Peter's response, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him as though he had some superior position that gave him the authority to rebuke the Messiah. What on earth is Peter thinking? Well, I'll tell you what Peter's thinking. Peter's thinking, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. We are your disciples. We are your 12, and you are our fearless leader. You are the Messiah, which he understood in political terms, the king who was promised by God, who would throw off every yoke of oppression and in Peter's understanding Jesus is headed to Jerusalem to overthrow the Roman government so that the people of Israel could experience the freedom that God had promised that's what Peter's believing Jesus you can't go through these things because you are the Messiah but I think Peter missed out on something Jesus said I think in his mind he had latched on to the first of those four things. The first three being Jesus must suffer, he must be rejected, and he must die. No, that can't happen. But I wonder, did, G did Peter really hear when Jesus said the Messiah would rise from the dead? I mean, if he was really listening, he would have been saying, what, what are you saying? You're going to die and rise from the dead? Jesus, that will be the greatest political comeback ever. It would have been. But Peter's not even thinking about the miracle of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, which we'll be talking about next Sunday. Don't miss out on Easter Sunday. This is a promise of hope for all of us. But Jesus prophesied that this would happen. After three days, I will rise again. So Peter, not quite grasping that part of Jesus' prediction, rebukes Jesus. So what does Jesus do? Does he just take it? No. <laughs> he responds quite strongly to Peter. Verse 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, and I can just picture here, Peter's pulled Jesus aside. Jesus, you can't do this. Peter turns and looks at his disciples. I can just hear him speaking it in a way that all of the disciples are hearing what he's about to say to Peter. He is going to put Peter in his place. So Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, and he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Wow. That is a strong rebuke of Peter. So that tells us something about Peter's lack of understanding of Jesus' mission, to suffer and die and to be raised again. Peter's opposition to the plan of the Father for the Son, Jesus, to live that perfect life, to die on the cross for our sins and to be raised from the dead as the promise of our own resurrection. Peter's opposition to that story was really Peter doing the work of Satan. Now, was Peter a follower of Satan? No, he was a follower of Jesus. So that gives us a little bit of a warning that we should heed as well. And what is that? 
It's that you don't have to be an active follower of Satan to, in the case of Peter, do Satan's work for him. What do we have to do to be opposed to Jesus and aligned with Satan? It's easy. All we have to do is just have in mind human things, human concerns, a simply human understanding instead of the understanding of God. Wasn't that part of Jesus' rebuke of Peter? You have in mind human things and not the things of God. See, God has a higher plan. And God is in control. God had this planned out. That's why Jesus was able to predict it. Because Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection were not an accident, not an afterthought of God, but they were in God's heart from the very beginning of humanity's fall from our relationship with God. God has a plan. And that plan included the fact that Jesus would die and would be raised from the dead. That Jesus would suffer. That he is the man of sorrows that Isaiah prophesied. That he is the suffering servant. He is a suffering Messiah. We need to know that. We need to understand that Jesus suffered to fulfill God's plan of salvation. Wow. And I was talking about this with my wife this past week. I'm like, wow, what, what do we do with that? That Jesus is a suffering Messiah. That's really encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> you know, how does that help me when the world seems to be turned upside down? How does that help me when I'm concerned about the health of my loved ones, especially those who are older? How does that help me when the economy is crashing all around? How does that help me when my retirement account has bottomed out? How does that help me when I'm out of a job and I can't really know when a government stimulus check will come my way? How does the idea of a suffering servant, a suffering Messiah, help me? I believe it helps us when we realize why he suffered why did he suffer later on in mark mark chapter 10 verse 45 jesus tells us very directly for even the son of man and he uses that term just as he did in mark chapter 8 as we had read the son of man must suffer many things he said even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many he had to take on our suffering and yes he suffered for our sins but as God made clear in his plan of salvation as revealed through the prophets as revealed through Isaiah as revealed in the other gospels as revealed in the work that Jesus did in the gospel of Mark Jesus also bore all of our griefs all of our sorrows, all of our pain, all of our suffering at the same time that he bore our sins, that he gave his life as a ransom to redeem us from slavery to sin. Jesus suffered to relate to us and so that we can relate to our God. Jesus suffered as the Son of Man. The Son of Man, his favorite term for himself in the gospel of Mark so that we could fully relate to him Jesus identified himself as a human 
as a man so that we could identify with him as our Savior and as our Messiah. And I believe that's powerful. It's powerful. A couple of days ago, I posted this picture of my great-niece, Aubrey. She's about four years old. And uh, she found, along with her bigger sister, Riley, her mom's makeup. And Riley used her mom's eyeshadow, but Aubrey used her mom's eyeliner. Yes, a jar of eyeliner. I know I've been corrected on this on Facebook that eyeliner is a pencil, but it also comes in a jar. I've learned about makeup the last few days. It comes in a jar, so this is long-lasting matte black eyeliner that you would normally apply with a thin brush that Aubrey, with the help of her big sister, has applied to her whole face. And you can see in the picture that she started to clean up a little bit, but this was a huge cleanup job for her mom. Now, <laughs> uh, when I posted that on Facebook, uh, don't, don't put that picture up yet. Go back. Uh, when I posted this on Facebook, uh, I got a little bit of pushback, a couple of strange responses, and, and then I got a, a message from a friend in another state, said, Ed, I think the picture that you posted of your niece is a little bit racially insensitive. And he brought up the issue of blackface and the history of blackface and you know my wife and I just recently went to the uh, Museum of African American History in Washington DC it was a powerful experience and they have a whole exhibit there about blackface and uh, I already knew about it I happened one thing you can't see in an online church service is that we are a very multicultural church and uh, we've been very multicultural for many years and uh, I have not been able to lead a multicultural church by being insensitive to racial issues so I know this is a sensitive issue and it makes sense that people might have a little bit of a question as to the propriety of posting a picture like Aubrey who looks like she's wearing blackface but you know let me just say that that was the furthest thing from my mind when I posted that picture. I, I was not even thinking at all about it. But when my friend texted me and said, this is racially insensitive, I thought, maybe I should show another picture of Aubrey cleaned up with her older sister, with her family, with her dad. And so I posted this picture, the second photo. And you can see that Aubrey relates to the african-american understanding she relates to african-american history in other words african-american history is a part of her history and when i posted that picture my friend said wow that makes a big difference why would it make any difference it makes a difference because of the relational and personal connection that comes when we know that Someone really identifies with us, with who we are, with our story. That's what Jesus has done. He became a man. 
to connect to us and to relate to us as a part of our story. Our story is Jesus' story. Jesus' story becomes our story because he's not just God up in the heaven somewhere looking down on us with any kind of derision, with any idea of ridicule with any shame whatsoever Jesus took on all of our shame he took on our suffering he took on ridicule he took on our sins because he wanted to relate fully to who we are I hope that we understand that Jesus history Jesus story is your story individually as well whatever our race or background or personal history, whatever we've done, whatever sins we've committed, whatever pain or hurt or sorrow we're going through right now, with whatever grief, with whatever mourning, Jesus has taken all those things upon himself. He is the Son of Man who suffered, who bore our suffering, who died on the cross but was raised from the dead, giving us the promise of resurrection life which we're going to celebrate even more next Sunday. So how does the idea of the suffering servant help me? It helps me know that I have a miracle-working, promise-keeping, light-in-the-darkness waymaker working on my behalf to make a way. A Messiah who gave his life as a ransom for my sin. A Messiah I can totally relate to because he is the Son of Man. He is the one who left heaven, who gave up the glory of deity which was rightfully his to take on human form, to die a death that he didn't deserve that I might live a life that I certainly didn't earn. I want to ask you, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you identified fully and completely with him? Jesus tells the crowd after the story, which lets us know that the invitation that follows this experience with Peter is not just an invitation to the 12. It's not just an invitation to a, a small elite Verse 34 of Mark 8, which I don't have on the screen, it says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Will you lose your life for him? Will you give your life to him? Today's the day. And if you already have done so in the past, let me just say that today is the day, once again, to be reminded that we lose ourselves in Jesus, and in so doing, we really find life. Would you pray this prayer with me? Just pray out loud. Doesn't matter who's in the room with you. All of you pray it out loud together. Would you pray, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to suffer and die for my sins. I believe he is Lord. I believe he has been raised from the dead. Forgive me my sins. Fill me with your presence and help me to live for you. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Make sure you email us. You can email info at getvictory.net. Email me at pastored at getvictory.net. 
find us online at getvictory.net or philly.church, whatever is easier for you to remember after this, and let us know that you've watched. Let us know that uh, you have listened. Let us know that you have made a decision for Jesus. And if you have prayer requests, as we've already asked, make sure you share those because we still serve a way-making, miracle-working Messiah. So please connect with us. If this service has been a blessing to you, if you want to help us in our mission of continuing to be the church to reach our community in a time of need, we invite you to give. We invite you to, to give as the Lord would lead you, and you can see the uh, way to do that. You can text Get Victory to 77977 or go to getvictory.net slash give. Thank you for being a part of our service today. We pray that you be blessed and that you know that you serve a Messiah who fully relates to you in every way. He's taken all of your needs, all your concerns upon himself, and he's still doing great things for all of us. Bless you as you follow in his way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with us on this podcast of Victory Church Philadelphia. Because this is being posted at the time of the coronavirus outbreak, we're not able to meet in large gatherings in person. So we're taking the opportunity to relaunch our regular podcasts. You can expect new sermons to be posted by Tuesday of each week. And we'll also be going back into the archives for messages that will be posted on Thursdays. If this message has been a blessing to you, we'd be most thankful if you would like it and then share our podcast with others. You can find out more about Victory Church Philadelphia online at www.getvictory.net or, if it's easier for you, just philly.church. There you can share your prayer requests with us, and we really will pray for you personally, individually. And you can also let us know if you've recently chosen to follow Christ so we can send a Bible to you. Or, if you've been blessed by our ministry and want to help us reach and serve even more people, you could make a donation. We are a church that loves God, we love and serve our community, and we're here to bless you. Stay connected and stay tuned in for some exclusive interviews and content in coming days and weeks. In the meantime, be blessed.